All right, welcome to the fourth episode of the Tavern Station podcast. Uh, Chris is not able to join us today, so it's going to be myself, Shane Cress, joined by another staff writer, Wes Brown. Uh, to start right off, Wes, my first question is, how much are we going to suck now? I'm... It's kind of kind of up in the balance. It all depends on how the quarterback situation hands out, obviously, with Kasim Hill now being out for the year with the ACL pair. It's going to be interesting how they can tailor the offense around Max, and if Max doesn't work out, how quickly Caleb can step in. Uh, well, Bell came out yesterday and said he is ready to be the backup, so it's sort of a question of is Caleb Henderson going to get a chance to prove himself? Or is he just not quite that healthy yet? Yeah, I mean, Caleb Henderson was supposed to be, he was like kind of the leading candidate going into camp. He was going to be the guy that came in and was going to be our opening day starter, but obviously got hurt and we haven't even heard from him in months. So hopefully he can get healthy sooner than later because Max Bornschlager sucks. He is so bad. It was painful to watch him. I I like yeah. I legitimately don't think we're going to win another game if he's quarterback for the rest of the season. I mean, I feel like that all sort of falls on, like they said, they sort of freaked out eight plays in the game when Hill goes down and they just weren't able to, you know, the game plan wasn't built around him because yeah. he's not a physical runner type guy. So, you know, Walt, Walt's saying if he, can, if he can tailor it so it's a lot more passes to the outside and try and break out like the big plays we saw earlier in the year. He should be able to do fine. It's just a matter of how the Big Ten defenses are going to read that. Yeah, I. That was one thing that I, I was thinking about is we're going to game plan differently. We're going to have to scheme differently around him. Um, so I think he's someone that like when we recruited him for a reason. He should be able to step in and and compete. But I'm not, you know, as confident going into these Big Ten games as I was a week ago. I'm looking at the schedule, and there's like a few games that I feel confident we can win. Um, where you know, listen to the podcast a week or two ago, and we're talking about how we could beat all the Ohio State and all this stuff. Um, but kind of jumping into recap, Central Florida, not just from the quarterback position, but as a team, um, the defense wasn't good. We were giving up six, seven, eight, nine play drives, 80 yard drives. It just like we couldn't get stops when we needed it. We gave up like 430 yards of offense, um, 18 first downs. So it was it was not fun on either side of the ball by any means. Um, so I guess what were some of the things that you saw we needed some improvements on? I mean, generally, like Jermaine Carter said after the game, it's sort of a lot of people are trying to point fingers saying, well, you can blame it on the offense and all this stuff. But he was saying the defense just didn't make plays. And I, I think that's really just what it comes down to. You know, scheme-wise, they seemed to be fine. They were just – they would randomly give up one play or two that would give them a first down. Yep. And, then, and then they'd be – all of a sudden they'd be back with him their own 30. Um, I feel like it's sort of – if they can in, – like in the Towson game and the Texas game, if they're able to force some three and outs and the offense can get going, they'll sort of have more confidence on defense in order to, you know, come back and sustain whatever lead or tie that they have. Um, but it was just, I felt like it was sort of a shock that Kasim Hill went out and then everyone sort of went into panic mode, but 
Carter pointed out that that can't happen, especially in the future. If anything happens again, they need to be ready to just focus on the defense. They need to go out and get a stop every time they're on the field. Yep. And I think another thing is, is the run game finally cooled down. And that was, it was very obvious that that hurt us. And it couldn't come at a worse time with a new quarterback coming in. You kind of want to re- be able to rely on the run game a little bit, take some pressure off of Fornschlager's shoulders. But the run game cooled down. Um, Lorenzo Harrison ran like the better back yesterday, which was we hadn't really seen all season. Um, he was averaging close to five yards to carry, while Ty Johnson was, you know, 10 carries for 28 yards, which is pretty pedestrian. So we need him to show more of just the big playability he's been showing in the first couple of games. Um, especially with the new quarterback, we need the run game to, to keep up with its first couple game pace because we need to be able to open up the play action and open up some lanes for Bornschlager as much as possible, especially more now than ever. Yeah, Bell was, Bell was pointing that out. He said what the problem was when the new quarterback, uh, Bornschlager, came in, that if, if, if you watch the game, you could see UCF was putting seven, eight, nine guys in the box, which is almost essentially, it's essentially forcing him to pass. Yeah. So, I mean, the, what he was saying was his, Bell took a lot of the, a lot of the blame himself saying that he didn't have the best play call because he was just trying to force the run because that's what they were successful with. And then because they were able to stop the run, they were able to stop any passes, which weren't many. Yeah, and I think that's also kind of an obvious clue that it's a young coach. And Walt Bell's done a lot of great things for the program, and I think he's going to continue to be like one of the young rising stars in college football. But uh, he got outcoached big time. That was going to be my next point before you brought that up was – they schemed so well against us coming in unprepared with Bornschlager. They stacked the box. They forced him to throw. And I feel like Walt Bell's got to know that's coming. They got He's got to know that they're gonna they're gonna force your QB to throw, and you gotta make the throwing easier for him, not just take it away from him entirely. Let the guy try to go out and make some plays. Um, yeah, he was. No, go he ahead. Was sort of pointing out that um, he was sort of pointing out that the um. UCF defense was actually one of the stronger ones he thinks they're going to face all year. He said they're going to be up there with the – he basically said Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, and UCF are going to be the tougher defenses they face all this year. So, I mean, we did have a small sample size with just one game against FIU to prepare for UCF. So, I feel like maybe a lot of fans put them on the back burner and said, oh, it's just UCF, when really they could be – a team that's on the rise this year, especially with how good their defense was and their defensive tackles did an outstanding job stopping both the pass and the run. So it's one of those, it's a game that could end up not hurting Maryland as bad if they do as well as some people say they can. Yep. And then kind of going to another part of the offense, it's been consistent like this the first three games. We've got to rely on other people other than DJ Moore. I mean, DJ Moore has been incredible. I think Weirdly enough, the only other person that's beating him in receiving in the Big Ten is Saquon Barkley, who's a running back, which is insane. That guy's going to win the Heisman. But, I mean, DJ Moore is playing out of his mind, but, you know, I think we had, like, five other receptions that weren't named DJ Moore. Like, that's insane. We can't have that, Um, especially when we're going to rely on people to pick up the quarterback more, like, more now than ever. So we got to be able to open up some lanes for other people. Um, I think getting the running game going, getting the play action going is going to hopefully help. But 
we need guys, not just receivers, to step up, but everyone needs to kind of step up on offense to help out a young quarterback um, that, you know, wasn't really expecting to be thrown into the fire like this. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of those the Maryland needs to learn that next man up mentality, which I feel like they should just teach that to everyone every year because it seems like they need to use it. But, um, yeah, it's just a matter of DJ Moore is open right now because people weren't covering him, I guess, as well. And sort of he's he's a nice security blanket. Like on his on his touchdown grab, he he jumped up in the air and snatched that. That, that wasn't a ball that most re- receivers are going to catch. That was a poorly thrown ball. So I feel like he's sort of the security blanket right now. But once they get in the Big Ten play and they start, you know, double teaming him and zoning him out, other receivers are going to have to find those holes because those holes will be there. Same sort of thing with Ty Johnson. If if they can work out the passing game, there's going to be holes for him and Harrison to find. You know, they're going to have to find those holes and make the big plays that they made at the beginning of this year. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see. We're going to need a lot more of those, you know, make a play on the ball catches because I don't think every throw is going to be right where it's supposed to be. But uh, kind of sticking on the quarterback for a second, I want to just kind of harp on the fact of how friggin' unlucky Maryland has been at the quarterback position with injuries. It's insane. We've had five ACL tears in the last, like, six years. Uh you know, to have two starters go down with an ACL in the first three games of the season is the most frustrating thing. It's considering, you know, this is the most promise we've seen out of a team in several years. Um, but it's going to, you know, I'm I'm hoping it doesn't come down to what it came down to a couple of years ago where we're having linebackers play quarterback. That would be just, I don't even want to watch the games at that point. But it's going to be tough to, to come back from it. Hopefully some guys can step up, but. There wasn't a whole lot to like from the UCF game on both sides of the ball. It was pretty, pretty disappointing way to end non-conference play. But uh, hopefully that injury to Kasim Hill doesn't, you know, put a pin in our season. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wrote an article earlier this week on it. In the last in the last decade, the only Maryland quarterback that hasn't had a season-ending injury or some sort of injury where they missed at least half a season with Danny O'Brien and he even transferred early. So they haven't had a quarterback in the last decade that's been at the school for four years Jesus. and played and not gotten hurt, you know, and it's one of those, you can sort of like they were, they were talking about this week. They were sort of pointing it at, you know, these dual threat quarterbacks, you know, they're not, um, well, one thing I pointed out was that they're not as big as they need to be to run out of pocket and sort of just protect themselves you know, when a guy like Kasim Hill's running against a uh, 6'4", 250-pound linebacker, it's not going to go well. Um, you know, when, when you need a dual-threat quarterback, you need to get someone like a Cam Newton who's 6'5", 250 pounds, where you can take those sort of blows. I feel like college is sort of, because of the spread offense, they're, they're used to getting smaller quarterbacks now just so they can run that kind of offense. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, even if you look into the NFL, the only person that you can really see that's had a whole lot of success is Cam Newton, save for maybe Russell Wilson. But, I mean, he's not even as dual threat as he used to be. So, I mean, yeah, to prevent injuries, you just got to have the size, and you don't really see that a whole lot in college. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope they can both come back next season healthy and we can have some good quarterback play. And, you know, we have a great recruiting class, so – I hope we can finish out the season strong, get to a bowl, and 
you know, get that keep that recruiting class strong and do even better next year. But um, so moving on into Big Ten play, we have Minnesota coming up Saturday at noon. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to this game for a while, not so much anymore. Uh, we were should have been a great game, one of the probably game of the week to watch in the Big Ten at least. Turns out, you know, Casino gets injured, and now we are 13-point underdogs. Um, Minnesota hasn't played anyone noteworthy, but they've been handedly winning every week. Um, hasn't really. They've had one close game against Buffalo. I think it was like 17 to seven, their first game of the season. But um, what do you uh, what do you think about this game? What's going to have to change from the UCF game? What are we gonna? What are some players that are going to need to step up? And what are the parts of the the scheme that we're going to have to change? Well, I mean, it's the same sort of thing as we said. They need a change in the UCF game. I just think the defense needs to have an overall confidence that you know they can play because obviously no one's been other than um, Jesse. Jesse yeah, Jesse, yeah. Jesse, other than him, the defense hasn't lost anybody in the um, course of the season. So they're not. We're not any weaker than we were on defense. So I, I, I think as long as the defense can get their confidence back and believe they can stop the Minnesota team, which I think they can. Minnesota's not, you know, a pow- uh, high-power offense or anything. Um, I feel like if the defense can get some stops, I feel like Walt Bell can tailor the game around Bortenschlager and find a way to score points. And I, I don't know if it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I, I, I think Maryland still has a chance because, you know, with a – with, with a new game plan, it's going to be a completely different team. It's not going to be the same second-half team you saw against UCF. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to see as bad of a game as we saw last week. I think having a week to prepare with a quarterback that you know going in is going to help a lot. Um, you know, on the other side of that, Minnesota also is preparing to see Bornschlager. So, you know, there's two sides of that coin. But I think Walt Bell is going to be able to design some plays to work with him. Um we need to just move the ball. Like we need to be able to develop the run game early, give Borden Sager some looks. We don't want him running the ball like Kasim Hill and uh, Piggy did. You know, he had 11 rushes for negative 13 yards. Like that's we can't have that. That's bad. He's not. It's not the type of player he is. So hopefully this new scheme will fit him a little better. Um, and then I think defensively what we have to do different is we need to stop the run. We got absolutely ran over um, last week. Uh, and some of the guys on Minnesota are had an insane last week. Kobe McCreary and Rodney Smith combined for like over 215 yards and three touchdowns. So they've been having a really good season. They have a good dual threat uh, backfield. So I think stopping the run is going to be really important try to force some long third downs and, and some turnovers um, force our quarterback to make tough throws. Cause he hasn't had to throw the, the ball that much this year. I think he had 18 attempts uh, last week and he had an interception. So um, that's one thing I think we need to work on. Another thing is we didn't do well against central Florida is we didn't got, we had zero sacks. We got absolutely no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, we need to do a better job at that this week. Um, you know, when you have a new quarterback come in, you want to, your defense to be able to come in and help them out a little bit, put them in some good field position, get a turnover, um, and be able to get the offense on the field. And the defense couldn't get off the field. They could get no pressure on the quarterback, and they were just getting driven on the whole game. So 
Uh, I think there's a couple things you got to work on this week. Is there uh, anyone on Minnesota you are watching out for that you think we need to pay special attention to? Um, not particularly. I haven't looked deeply into Minnesota as a whole, but um, I know I know they're a vulnerable team. They're not, you know, they're not led by anybody necessarily, you know, out of the blue. But um, I just think overall as a whole, Maryland just needs to go back to the basics and they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I still think it is a game that's winnable. Minnesota isn't a powerhouse team. It is, you're right, it is a vulnerable team. It's a team we can beat. I think a 13-point spread is actually ridiculous. I think Maryland, the people are not giving Maryland enough credit. I know how bad last week looked, but we have a great coaching staff, and I think Durkin and Walpel are able to able to turn around a little bit at least and make this game close, make it a watchable game, and I hope for everyone's sake that this last week is not how we're going to be the rest of the season. Um, and kind of going off adjusting the scheme, like you said, I, I think not only is Walt Bell going to have to change the scheme of the offense, but I think the offensive line is going to have to change the way they play. I mean, Kasim Hill and Piggy are, are their dual threat guys, and the way you block and for those kinds of guys, knowing that they can break the pocket at any second is a little different. This They need to be able to block for a guy now that's, going to have more of a pocket presence, going to have to step up in the pocket more, and it's going to try to break out less. Um, and I can't count how many times I watched Borntager step up into a sack last week. Um, and that's a combination of him being a bad quarterback and playing poorly and the offensive line kind of expecting a different style. Maybe they're expecting blocking to get their quarterback outside on a, a rollout, you know, something like that. Um, so I think that's some things to look for as well. Uh, do you have a prediction for this week? Um, I would say it's going to come down to, you know, one score, a field goal or a touchdown late in the game. Um, I'm not 100% sure which way it goes because Bortenschlager hasn't, you know, shown too much other than a couple of halves and whatnot that he's stepped into. So, I mean, it, it, I, I think it could go either way, but it, it, it'll be a close one score game. Yeah, I have um, – if I'm being unbiased, I don't know that we win this game. I have a prediction of 28-17 to 17 Minnesota, um, but that's conservatively thinking we can't do a whole lot on offense. If we can put together on offense any sort of drive early to get us going, I think we can put up some points. Um, I think defensively we can hold them, and I think it will be a relatively lower-scoring game. Um but I think we keep it close the whole game. Maybe it breaks out to a one or two score game late, but I think it is one we can steal if a couple chips fall the right way for us. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on, I guess, is kind of your thoughts on the rest of the season. I know the fan base as a whole, I mean, I'm kind of in the boat too, is just kind of like you're you're kind of brokenhearted about, you feel bad for the guys. This was such a promising year, and I – you know, you have very little hope. Fan base has very little hope for the rest of the season. Um, so I guess, what do you think uh, going forward are some things that maybe are some bright spots to look forward to and things that can maybe help us have put together a year that's actually, you know, worthwhile and worth to watch? Well, I mean, one of the big things from the beginning of the year was that the defense and special teams were outstanding. Um, even after Jesse got hurt, 
Um, and then they still have, you know, DJ Moore on the outside, Johnson Harrison on the inside. You know, there's still, I'd say maybe 75% of the excitement of so far this year has come from outside the quarterback position, which I mean, it's not, it's not, it's obviously at this point between Pigram and Hill, it was sort of plug and play. You could use either one of those and fans would have been happy. Obviously they're not excited about Borton Schlager because of the way he played last week, but it's not the end of the world. You know, they're not down to that point where they have to throw a Sean Petty in at quarterback. So, I mean, as of right now, this team still, has a decent chance of getting to a bowl game. It's just a matter of, you know, game planning the right way, scheming the right way, you know, changing the little things to get Borton Schlager comfortable and just, you know, trying to stay as healthy as you can. Um, only really quarterbacks have been the main issue injury-wise. You know, knock on wood, you don't want anyone else to get hurt because that's just going to start to lower your chances. But, I mean, overall, the team still, you know, Johnson can still hit big runs. DJ Moore can still catch long passes because Borton Schlager is a passing quarterback. You know, it's just a matter of settling down and saying, you know, it's not the end of the world. There's still three more quarterbacks on the depth chart. You know, they, they, they can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, not worrying about what has happened and worry about what you can make happen. Yeah, I agree. I think some people are overreacting and, you know, there's still some hope left for the season. But one question I got posed to me that kind of made me ponder a bit um, that I'll, I'll pose to you. How many what do you think is going to be greater? Our number of wins this season or the number of quarterbacks that have a snap? Well, I mean, considering they've already had four quarterbacks take snaps, I'm, I'm still going to say wins. Um I think we'll get over five wins, and that's how many quarterbacks we have. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping that I hope we can sneak into a bowl game, keep the recruiting class strong, um, and and kind of bring the promise into next year. You know, this was the year we had a bowl game last year. This was the year we're like, all right, we're gonna turn around, and make an eight-win season. This is reasonable. At least get back to a bowl game, and then all these injuries, and now our bowl game is the goal again. You know, I'm waiting for that season where the goal is. Not just a bowl game, but a good bowl game and, you know, some higher I mean, competition. I mean, the good thing is going into next year, um, since Pigram only played about three-quarters of the game, he's he's going to get a red shirt. He'll still be a sophomore next year because Kasim Hill um, only played in about two, two-and-a-half games. He didn't make it a conference play. He should possibly be able to get a red shirt as well, so he could be a red shirt freshman. So it could literally just be this year's on pause and it starts back next year. So yeah. I mean, it's not, not the end of the world. Yeah, I think the future is still definitely very bright. And I don't think all hope is lost this season, but uh, Bornschlager is definitely going to have to show me something. Or, you know, if he can't, hopefully Caleb Henderson can. But uh, on that note, uh, we will end that episode. Uh, tune in uh, Saturday at noon. At Minnesota, should be a good game. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Terrapin Station MD, and uh, we'll see everyone next time.